I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Legend Rouge Cycling Podcast for stage one of the Tour de France 2023 from Bilbao to Bilbao. A very difficult opening stage with GC gaffes, with surprising winners, with tactics already in play and with unfortunately some GC abandoned. So it had a bit of everything. And we've also got some ooh, some learning for us, Benji. Every single team just about has changed their jersey for the biggest race of the year. So I don't recognize anybody. And half of them have also gone for the old white on three, white for the three quarters of the top and then a bit of color tie-dye yeah. at the bottom. It's actually quite crazy. 11 teams, I think, in total. And then the combination of new NC jerseys also popping in. I feel like this is being done too much. The current rule is that teams can change their jersey three times per year now instead of one. And I feel like that's a bit much because don't you feel like if you're a newcomer to the sport, you want to be able to recognize the people that you're looking for? Because I feel like I had trouble finding Israel all the time today. Yeah, the Israel one, because it doesn't even... Yeah, that one's odd. It's like the Dutch NC jersey, but hey, Astana looked worse in person than it was when I saw it on the internet. But there's so many new jerseys out there. But anyway, we recognize most of them. And we're able to watch the stage. And so this stage, 183 kilometers long, we start with two sort of two kilometer, five to six percent climbs where I thought a decent break would form because we have the KOM jersey on offer for the breakaway in theory. There's then some valleys, another collection of two longer climbs, 4Ks, 5%, 3.5Ks, 8%. Another valley through Guernica, which is Bilbao's hometown, and then we do a collection of four and a half climbs. First one, the Zabaleta's easy, the Argentinian right back for Man City, 50 pace on FIFA. And then they <laughs> gradually get more difficult. Code de Morga, 3.8K is 5%. Cat 4, 1K, 1 point. Code de Vivero, 4.3K, 7%. Cat 2, yep. which means five points at the top. And then the Cote de Pique after another five to seven kilometer valley, 2.1K is 9.4%. No bonus seconds on top before an untechnical non-technical, sorry, fast descent into Bilbao where there's a one kilometer 5% drag in town, which is a difficult, difficult finish. So 3,000 plus meters elevation gain in only 180Ks. It was, yeah, a difficult stage, Benji. Were you surprised, given this is a very unusual opening stage for the tour, that only five teams really cared about getting in the breakaway with not just for the stage. Okay, maybe the stage... It doesn't matter. Everyone will chase. You won't win the stage. But with KOM on offer, that's still a good carrot for at least 10 of these teams. Yeah, it was super odd because initially we saw like one move, the first move, and that kind of got neutralized by just so many people trying to jump on that move. But the problem is the next move then was only five riders and nobody else responded. So I don't know what happened between that first move and the second move for all the other teams to say, I don't want to be in the breakaway anymore because suddenly they didn't want to be in there. And I think last minute... A rider from Antomarché tried to bridge to the existing breakaway that would, would eventually form. But the breakaway would be Ancorn, Kalmajan, Gregard, Guglielmi, and Ferron. So this is a manageable breakaway. But like you said, there's quite a few teams out there where I'd be like, I kind of expected this team to put a rider up there or this team to put a rider up there. And the fact that 
And Narkea is not necessarily well. They have Guglielmi, but did you expect other teams to be in there? Why wouldn't Gorka Izagira, Basque Rider, go in there for Movistar? He could be good on these punchy climbs. Home territory, take KOM, KOM jersey. It's a nice intermediate goal for them on stage one, a stage they're not going to win. I know you picked Aaron Baru maybe, but it's a stage they're not going to win. So go for KOM, you know, a bit of exposure. And then other teams like, I mean, Cofidis did have an option in Lafay, but yeah, there's, there's other teams. And listen, maybe teams were big brain and mm -hmm. they thought, they thought it would come back yep. to on Vivero and you could win it from the take KOM day one on the GC from the GC group. But I was surprised. I was surprised. And anyway, we saw initially, I'm not sure if you said already, Benji, a lot of teams pacing and, and putting a rider forward. And that was Ineos with Turner initially yep. uh, showing presence. Laporte for Yumbo. Uh, Alperson was Dillier. And Lampard and De Klerk for Quickstep, mo mostly De Klerk. UAE were monitoring break formation and then saw four other teams were there, I think, and Trenton's like, we don't need to put Langen in front when four other teams are chasing. And they never really let the break have more than 130. I, I, I thought, and this is from this is from like the Dauphiné, where Rune Herrhoff's nearly won the stage. Teams think, even though this isn't the strongest break, it's still four riders and there's climbs and you can lose your ruler domestics very quickly. So... Yep. That's why they kept the breakaway very, I think, too tight. And I yeah. think de Klerk was overpacing, actually. I think so as well. And just to get a bit of a run-through of what happened before we saw de Klerk absolutely pacing like crazy behind this, this five-man breakaway, we had two KOM points. The first one went to Gregard, who was out of the saddle for like 600 meters going early, and then everybody waited a bit to respond. And then Acorn basically came too late and also exploded trying to respond. But then Acorn took the next one because he knew who to respond to on that next KOM, but like you mentioned, the Clerk is keeping this so close that, yeah, Inkhorn now has three points after these first two KOM points. There's the next one, the Morga KOM that comes that is also two points. The max he can get is five KOM points, and you said it at the start, Gold Vivero, second cad, five KOM points. This would mean that they would equalize in points, and the tiebreaker is the person that gets the highest category climb right. so the person that got the points on vivero would take up kom and at that point it's lost for the breakaway they can't take it until they survive vivero which is unlikely even without the cleric pacing because everybody's going to be sprinting yeah. towards vivero but like you said the cleric pacing so much it was unnecessary like he almost caught the breakaway with 65 kilometers to go he then caught the breakaway with 50 kilometers to go and it felt like he was toning down a little bit on the climbs while moving harder in the valleys, but yeah. Jumbo went up to him. Benoit went up to him and said, Timmy, come on, <laughs> calm down, my boy. We, we don't need to do this. This is not necessary. I know you haven't been able to do this for a while now, yeah, but... Harsh on him. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> oh, the clerk. I mean, you, I think you're right. He wanted to show that he's back yeah. and he's old track. And he's fucking strong. Yeah, he was, but I agree. Like, why would you bring the break back at 65Ks to go when you have basically... You're just going to induce maybe other attacks from other yep. riders. Now that didn't happen, and you got to know as well the GC guys are going to be so nervous. They're going to pay so hard with all their, you know, with Björg, with Trenton, with Van Hooydonk. The break is going to get managed. So I was surprised they didn't let it out to over one minute, um, because I thought maybe on Vivero someone would go. Now did we? Grigard took the first K1 points. Uh, very impressive. Enkorn was yep. leading. So when the break got caught, Enkorn was leading on three points, uh, but. Doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, too bad for him. So 
We then see we've done a few climbs. The main one is Vivero. We've okay, sprinters drop on Morga, Cavendish gone, uh, other riders gone. We go then to the Vivero climb where we start the stream and positioning very uh, not that important. It's a wide road to be honest. Yep. The peloton is pretty big. We have UAE on one side, we have Yamba Visma on the other side. I was quite impressed with Lotto Destiny actually keeping uh, Van Hills forward for as long as their team could could do so. And DSM were forward as well with uh, I think Hamilton trying to keep Bardet in good position and uh, the other teams escaped me. Ineos would come forward for a bit but not consistently yeah. up there. I feel like this happened a lot with Pogacar's team UAE as well because on this climb, we saw before the climb even them moving up and then losing ground a bit once we get to a certain point and then they come up again. So it's kind of like Sergi. While I saw Yumbo more as the presence that stayed at the front, while Yumbo was a Sergi one that moved to the front and back and moved to the front and back. But when it mattered, they were there. At the foot of Averro, they were at the front. So regardless of that Sergi behavior, they ended up being there. Is it more dangerous for crashing though? That yeah. you have to move up every single time? I think so. I think maintaining front position, but it's impossible for a lot of teams. Like yeah. you can, the DS will say, ah, go to the front and stay there. It's like, well, you're asking X amount of riders to ride like Legac. He has to what, ride 25 kilometers with climbs in the legs at 60 kilometers an hour on the front. It's, well, Jumbo Visma are swapping off Van Bala and Van Hoydonk after Laporte. So it's, it's not possible. So we have that lead out. Vivero, we see, uh, we see the Peregud, Mikkel Berg comes back with the mouth open. <laughs> it's a four kilometer, seven percent climb. It's actually a very good climb for him. It's similar to the climb where he destroyed everybody on Orquet Anzizan in, in the tour last year. And I thought he was going to shred this into a group of 30. And, and when he was going, and he starts really hard. Yeah. This is like he also does the same thing on Hafit or Jabal Jai. He starts 30 seconds, super hard. And first of all, this is a tell that Poggy and, Poggy and Yates are going to try on the next climb. Yeah. We know that for sure. But I was surprised to see him pull off at, at 2Ks to go. He kind of, because then, because at that point I didn't see Soler and I thought, well, Groschartner and Mike are you going to use for the, the next climb? Mm -hmm. Who's going to do the valley? Uh, Soler did come back, so it, it was fine. But do you think, I kind of put Van Aert, oh, Van Aert, Vingegaard were all, and Van Baal were all in good position. So what it, it was more what I noticed at the back, which was Binny was in trouble. Benny was in trouble. We saw Bilbao at the back for a yeah. second as well. I don't know where he finished at the end of the stage because I didn't see him all stage, so I can't tell you. It looked like he had a bad day, but On I didn't expect... seconds. Oh, that's pretty close, actually. He might have had a mechanical and had to come back. Potentially, but Benny, I didn't expect that, and I'm slightly worried for tomorrow. Yeah. Because on paper, he was around. I could get over Heiskebel, but if he, if he has trouble on Vivero, then I'm starting to get worried. And about UAE there for a second, Pierre doing half that climb and then it going back to Van Bala pacing... I kind of saw similarities with Milano Sanremo where UE is trying to make the race hard so that the punchers don't really have a chance on the final climb. And now they kind of do it half with Björk doing half that climb, which probably still has an effect. But I kind of thought Groschart would take up that next spot. And considering what happens on the next climb, I'm kind of like confused of what the actual plan was there. But we'll get to that in a second. We get to the top of Vivero. We've got basically Yumbo pacing. Yeah. It's a bit of a flat section on top and then yeah. it goes downhill. And in that descent, we see a crash. We don't see the crash itself, but no. we see three people on the floor, James Shaw, Richard Carapaz, and Enric Moss. And it took two, a second to recognize him. guys. Yeah. And Moss is out. Moss had to abandon. He looked like his right either elbow, collarbone, or wrist or whatever, something on his right arm area. 
he had a bad problem, couldn't get back on the bike. The camera lingered on him for a long time. Carapaz, I thought, would abandon because he initially got up. They got him a bike to ride, and then camera changed. Two minutes later, that comes comes back to him, and he's lying on the ground now. And yeah. he, he had a problem with his left knee. Uh, he gets back on the bike after a long, long time, and is only clipping in with his right foot and, and is not pedaling with his left leg. Eventually, we did see him pedaling with his left leg, but... So that's two G two big GC guys who are top ten GC favorites. Two GC done. Mass out. Carapaz might abandon tonight, but he already lost fifteen minutes. And it changes those teams quite a bit, eh? Because if Carapaz had a sliver of hope for GC, which based on Dauphiné looked a bit sketchy, he would have tried for GC. Yeah, as long as possible. He would have fallen back onto stage wins afterwards. If he comes back from this injury, he would have then he would probably go for stage wins. But I feel like. It, look, looked it looked really sketchy to put him back on the bike at that moment, in my yeah. personal opinion. Now, he finished on 15 minutes, spoilers. So it's not like he, he pedaled at a really slow pace, so he kind of got back into it. But I wouldn't be shocked if something gets noticed and he still steps out. But yeah. let's hope he's okay. We want that. Moss is out, and that changes a lot of things. And Jorgensen has been pacing before yeah. that moment for Movistar. So I was kind of confused of what was going to happen now. I was really surprised to see that because, yeah, on Vivero, the 4K 7% climb draft is important. They're going 25-plus kilometers an hour. Jorgensen was in front of Mulberger, pacing for Movistar. And I thought, is he going to just deliberately lose 10 minutes, do some work for Mass early, and then lose 10 minutes and go on the breakaway on stage 5? Or tomorrow, or probably stage 5. And... But now, and, and Jorgensen now ends up losing 2 minutes 30. Too close to be letting the break, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, he might still be letting the break on stage 5. But he was their other top 10 GC candidate. I don't think he'd be going. He's definitely not going for top 10 GC if they're using him to pace on the yep. second last climb. So they're going to have to change a few, a few things. They brought a, brought a complete climbing squad. No sprinter except for Aaron Baru, but he's not going to win the... So they're, they're in... It's tough for Movistar. Anyway... Lead out to Cote de PK, we see two trains dominating. Uh, Hindley was in good position a lot, actually, with Bookman, Jungels, yeah. uh, and Bora for Bora Hansgrub. They kept Hindley in good position, but the two dominant trains were Soler for UAE and, and Jumbo Visma with Van Hoydonk and Van Bala on the left side of the road. There was a bit of jockeying. Soler came up and tried to close Jumbo to the left, then opened it back up, some words being said. And the entrance to Cote de PK isn't that technical, but we see another thing, Benji, is Van Aert's nowhere. In, in, so Van der Poel had one teammate and he moved into okay position just in time for Cote de Pique. And, and Van Aert's nowhere. And we see the train of Jumbo basically start pacing full with Van Hoydonk, Van Baal and Benoit. And it's like, and Kelderman too wasn't there. Yeah, but I feel like even when it comes to Jonas's positioning wasn't perfect he had there to do it himself. he had to move up himself to the wheel of the train and then the train continued onwards while he was moving up. So he's also spending energy there. Wout was in 25th position, so that's in the shadow realm at that point. Yes, there's an option to come back, but we're spending so much energy moving up in the same way that's, that, for example, the year that Vanderpool was in a bad position on, on the Poggio, for example, you spend so much energy that you can't make your move afterwards or you lose the ability of trying to follow the group that you want to follow. So maybe if Wout Fanat doesn't have that position, he's able to hold on better on the climb itself, but we'll never know if that's going to be the case. But... Jumbo having that pace, it's odd because suddenly Groschartner came out of nowhere. Launched it. He absolutely launched it. And it was like, it kind of looked like the Bjerg move initially, but Jumbo doesn't care about Groschartner going up the road. So do you reckon it was Groschartner pacing? Because I feel like the way he responded when he had a gap looked like he was just trying to pace. 
No, no, he wasn't attacking. No way, no, he, no way he was attacking. He was trying to accelerate on the 7% section. So the climb goes 7%, 500 meters, 4%, mm -hmm. 500 meters. Then they go over a bridge and it goes steep where the, the big riding on the road starts. 13% uh, and 15% for the next two 500 meter sections. So on the 7% section, and this is where Yumbo already is like, who are they riding for? Because if you're doing a super hard yep. lead out, to make this whole climb as hard as possible on for the steep section, you go for Jonas, and, and maybe he goes. You know, he you put him on your gross sharpness wheel. Happy days. But if they're waiting for Van Aert to make up positions, so they, I think they still do the right thing. In that Benoit basically lets gross sharpness wheel go, and the tell is that gross sharpness gets to the four percent section, looks back. Oh shit! No one's in my wheel, and so yeah. he. He basically stops or stops riding. I think, I think he stops riding full to me. Yeah. Um, otherwise, he would have put his head down. And we sort of see Yates attacking, kind of like how Vingegaard went to Volta's wheel on Crud Fair. Yep. Yates comes out of nowhere and starts, does a lead out back to Groschartner's wheel. Poggy's in his wheel. We have then Jonas slotting onto Pagatch's wheel and Lefebvre, Godou, uh, Van Aert has moved up, Kelderman and Kusa maybe 7th, 8th wheel. We have Pidcock, we can't really see. Uh, Schkelmoser is also around there, 7th, 8th wheel. Alaphilippe is also 6th, 5th wheel, sort of around just behind uh, Godou. And Yates does, they hit the steep section, Yates launches it. And immediately people are dropping. Alaphilippe drops the wheel, Godou drops the wheel, gaps open up. Van Aert's put on a gap, I, don't, I think he would have been dropped anyway. Uh, at that point, and we have four going clear, and it's, yeah, Yates, Poggy, Vingegaard, and the turn up for the books, finally stepping up to the big time and waiting for it for a while, doing it in a big race, not just a French Conti circuit, Victor Lefay. This is not just a step up, eh? This is with the, yeah, the, the three best, best the GC best. riders in this race at the moment. Well, we're just one stage in, so we're not for that far in, but he's in that group of four, and that's shocking to me. And then the dynamic kind of starts, because, yeah, Adam Yates... He's in there. He keeps on pacing for a bit. But there's a moment where Adam Yates goes off the front of that four-man group. And we see Pogacar doing some kind of acceleration. It wasn't a brutal acceleration. It was just like leveling up the tempo a bit. Not sure if he could do a brutal acceleration at that point. But Jonas was in the wheel. Lafayette was still in the wheel. Adam Yates on like a few meters. I would guess that he just did an effort. So he's trying to kind of like manage holding on relatively. And he's able to crawl back to that. But... Then Lafay is also trying to do the same, trying to probably gain a bigger gap on the people that are behind because otherwise he can't get anything out of the stage if that group comes back. And this does stay like this scenario for quite a bit until we get to the top. And at that point, people are coming back from behind yeah. because Wout is getting passed by Skelmosa is the first one to bridge over. Then Simon Yates starts bridging over. I swear there's one or two riders that still bridge over to the front as well. But then we get no view for a bit. Oh, Van der Poel and Alphilippe are on, they're in group three, yeah. which is very far. Shadow Realm. Yeah, yeah. 40 seconds. So we were right about Van der Poel. Tim de Klerk pacing the entire stage for Alaphilippe that dropped so early on this climb. Yeah. I'd have a second to think about that. Do they have a rider on the quickstep roster that'd be good on this stage? But Emko Evenepoel, maybe? <laughs> Has he been good in the Basque Country before? Well, I'll get to you about Yumbo <laughs> in the same sort of shape when we get to the top here, yeah. because it, it turns back to, to the front of the race, and suddenly we've got a move. We've got Adam Yates over the top, over the crest, seemingly have attack, together with Simon Yates. We don't know who initiated it. The Adam Yates was at the front, so I would guess Adam Yates would do it. It's logical, because if he comes back to the group, and Pogacar is the one being visualized by Jonas, he might as well try and do the one-two move and right now. the group's now. too big. So if it's a group of six, with Jonas, Lefay, 
and a couple of GC guys, you make Gates, you make Adam pace. Yeah. But it's gone to a group of ten. Yeah. With Kelderman, with Coos, with Van Aert, and so well, Van Aert was back. Uh, they were back. They were pretty much back. Yeah. Then why are they not responding over to Craig? They were at because... the back of the group. Yeah. Um, what happens if Roglic is in that group? Probably crashes. No, nah, I mean, it's a good, but it's a good point. Yeah, but Roglic would go with one of the with the Yates brothers, and then Adam won't work. Maybe he will. I don't yeah, know. but then the move is neutralized. Yeah. So that's the that's the thing. People were maybe dubious of Yates' two leader strategy with Poggy, but we saw this is it in action today, and it worked out perfectly because those two go clear. They don't even need to speak to each other. Those two are pulling full, and you think, oh, the group is so big behind, but. The Yates brothers, first of all, are quite aerodynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw on Paris Stage 8 last year, Simon Yates Van Aert couldn't bring him back on yep. the long descent into, into uh, Nice. And, you, and you've got the two of them, and they're working well together, one to gain, both to gain time, maybe the stage. Poggy's not going to help. And so you have Kelderman and Coos chasing. Well, are Kelderman and Coos faster than the Yates brothers? Especially when they have the motor. The Yates brothers have the motor on the descent, and yep. the GC group doesn't have the motor? Not really. And so... No other team, no other rider has two team has another teammate in that group, except for Thibaut Pino and Gaudu, so obviously they won't chase. Um, and like, <laughs> in the Dauphiné, we saw at this moment that Jonas Vingo would go to the front yeah. and start pacing for a while, but in the Tour, you don't do that. No. I think sports even started speculating that, that Vingo should do it, to like, do a favor for, for Jonas because, no, for, for Van Aert because of all the work he's going to do for Jonas, but I feel like that's a very shit take. I mean, Wout should probably pull for Jonas GC. I'm... Well, if he does that, Pogacar might take more bonus seconds. Yeah, but, but I'm obviously more scared of Yates than everybody in the world. So <laughs> I, don't want to give, I don't want to give Yates a second, Adam Yates. Anyway, <laughs> the two Yates go clear. The gap expands. It was five seconds at the start of the fast part of the descent. It goes to 12 and, and to 15, in fact. Keldman and Cruz make no inroads. And then on the uphill drag, we see them swapping turns. Simon Yates pulls hard. Yates pulls through again. And we think, is, Yates, is Adam going to ride for GC gap? And, and Simon can sprint for the stage because Simon's sprint is, is very good. And Adam just drops him. Adam drops yep. Simon Yates off the wheel. I don't know if he just wanted to give him the stage because Simon's won Grand Tour stages before. Yeah. I think Adam was stronger. I think um, Adam was stronger. Yes, indeed. We haven't seen Simon Yates in the last few weeks, so it's hard no. to, to really realize what level he's at, but he looks to be pretty good strong. So I'm happy with the shape he showed. I'm curious whether that's going to evolve into GC, whether we'll see some weakness throughout the week, say, in terms of recovery. Then he might go for stages, but on today's stage, it was good, and Adam Yates wins the stage. That was not on my bingo card. Adam versus Simon Yates, sprinting for the victory. Adam Yates. (laughs) Not the two. I didn't think they'd go clear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, two brothers going clear. Adam Yates winning the stage, going into yellow. Not the UAE rider maybe people expected, including myself, to win the stage ahead of his brother Simon by four seconds. Ahead of the main GC group by 12 seconds, led by Pagacha, who wins the sprint. Van Aert was boxed in a little bit, but to me, he didn't have yeah. much snap either. So I think Poggy's winning that sprint anyway. Yeah. Pino in fourth, so he's in good shape. Woods fifth, Lefay sixth. Lefay probably deserved more from the stage. Hindley seventh, Schelmos eighth, Fingergaard ninth, Gaudu tenth, Van Aert eleventh on the stage. Rodriguez, Lander, Kelderman made it. Kusk dropped a little bit of time. The next group, Corbin Strong led that in. So. Uh, strong ride. Yeah, <laughs> strong ride. Uh, Pidcock <laughs> was put on 33 seconds, so not not for him, but the GC guys losing time were... Uh, Martinez. Danny, Danny Martinez lost three minutes, so he's done. Uh, Bardet lost 33 seconds. I'm sorry, Luke, 20 seconds to the uh, to the main GC group. Menke's lost 20 seconds. Bernal lost 20 seconds. Haig, O'Connor, 
Chikone, goal, all lost 20 seconds to the main like, GC group. When it comes to Carapaz losing 15 minutes, but Uran also loses five minutes and a half. So really? their entire GC is gone in this one With stage. Chavito. And Chavez lost five minutes. So EF GC is finished. But it's also freeing them because that team is really strong for breakaways regardless. Yeah. I love seeing Uran go for stages the yeah, way he did. Well to last year. Yeah. Beautiful to see. And there's plenty of other riders in their team that can do so as well. So if we take a look at how the stage is won, how the stage was delivered here, we've got UE camp, Adam Yates taking 22 seconds in GC, if I recall yep, correctly. 22 on Jonas. And Pogacar takes four seconds because of the bonus seconds yep. in the sprint. I would say that's a 1 0 on paper for UAE because they're actually taking time on Jonas. For sure. But I would also say that Jonas did what I expected to do on this stage. I didn't expect more than this for Jonas. This is what I would expect. Him losing time four seconds to Pogacar is what I expected. I didn't necessarily expect Adam Yates taking 22 seconds next to that. But when it comes to UAE, despite them being 1 0 ahead, Yes, Adam Yates looks fucking strong. Let's be honest about it. You were right about that. But let's see about his recovery over three weeks. Stage one, yeah. I'm going to remain very skeptical for now. But I'm happy to see it because there is a fight on our hands at the moment. But Pogacar, I'm super happy that he was at the level he was. Because this does show that he doesn't get dropped on this climb. Which was a, a thing many people were speculating. And I, I was no, hoping wouldn't happen. Because he will never get dropped on this climb. In December, November, January, never ever. In this stage, he must 100% beat Vingegaard on the road. And not drop. And yeah. win the sprint against him. 100%. Every single time of the week. But on the climb itself, it's not like he had something left to really accelerate greatly and drop Lafayette and so forth. So he didn't have much snap, did he? I would say he just, he did, I, don't, I, yeah. don't, I don't think he accelerated off Yates' pace. Agreed. And it's hard to say whether that was a moment where Jonas couldn't do that either. We don't but know. But that's the question, right? If Wavana doesn't exist, <laughs> how does Jonas ride this stage? Does he attack over the top of Lafay if he can? I think... And with Wout behind, you can't. I'm going to go even more out of the box. If Wout is not in this race, Roglic is. And then... He's in the wheel of Adam Yates when he attacks. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, Wavanagh was very valuable in the tour last year, but often, you know, it's swings and roundabouts. Um, yep. Sometimes there's moments where Vingegaard is riding in a slightly different way, and it's also strategically helpful. Yep. Like, the, the flip of that is Lefay and Pagatcha have to work, yep. and he sits in the wheel and gets a free ride to the finish uh, because he's got Van Aert, the card of Van Aert behind. So it's not... I'm not saying it's wrong that he doesn't attack. It's also how much time can he gain either? Is this a better scenario? It depends on how scared you are of Adam Yates, of course. But Yeah, would you rather lose 10 to Poggy or 4 to Poggy? Exactly. In that sense, this is an okay scenario for Jonas that he doesn't lose 10 seconds if it was a group of 5 sprinting. Yeah. There's a chance that he's 4th and that he loses 10 seconds to Poggy bonus seconds, wins the stage, takes yellow, and so forth. But with Adam Yates ahead, it's like, yes, you didn't lose 10 seconds to Poggy, but Adam Yates ran off with 22 seconds and... You can be a little bit scared of Yates. No, I think you have to be properly... Like, he already took 22 seconds on this stage. And listen, the Tour isn't won on stage one, and this isn't the stage Vingegaard would have been trying to win the Tour either. Yeah. Um, you, you can't win the Tour on this stage, but you can lose it like Mass and Carapaz is gone. It's all over already, the podium, or, or whatever result. So, but why can't UAE do this after the top of Marie Blanc again? We have a downhill run to Lorraine. Yep. They could have two in a group of five with only Jonas isolated. 
Why can't he attack again? It's difficult. It's more difficult than Marie Blanc. On this climb, the bonus seconds were not given on Piquet. They took that away, the bonus yeah. seconds on top of Piquet. On Marie Blanc, there is bonus seconds on top, which means that Pogacar and Vingegaard will be sprinting for that. Adam Yates would have to follow their wheel and then attack from their wheel after that sprint. But then you already need to be in their wheel and have spent energy being in their wheel. I think it's harder to do it on the crest of Marie Blanc. Yeah, I just, but then, you know, we saw Marie Blanc in 2020, Roglic and Pogacar stopped pretty much yeah. and then worked with the group afterwards. And just to go to the interview of Yates, it was kind of curious. He, he contradicted himself somewhat. And yeah. so Gianetti came out two days after our preview saying, yeah, Yates is co-leader because he was in good shape in the Dauphiné. And honestly, Poggy's wrist hasn't completely healed. So we have to, we have no other choice. And then Yates gave all these interviews before the stage, our Poggy's the big boss. Yeah. And then on the climb, that did seem to be the case because if he was true co-leader, then Poggy lets his wheel go because it was so narrow. Yeah. It was so narrow where the fans were on PK. You let his wheel go, Jonas can't move up, and he goes clear. So then it looked like they were 100%. Yates is, is right. Poggy's the big boss. And then, but then he attacks, gets this time, wins the stage, yellow. And then in, this, in the interview afterwards, he says, Yeah, Pogacar's still the boss. And then he says, Send this afterwards. And yeah, no one was believing this week in the two leader strategy. Mate. And I was like, You just said the sentence before that it's a myth. Mate, you've been shouting about it for seven months to me. <laughs> And then I was like, well, no. And so the reality is, I'll say it again, they are going to keep Yates in GC for as long as possible yeah. to put Jumbo Visma under pressure for as long as possible because it makes no sense to burn his GC and look at the result today. Exactly. Now, whether that lasts into Courchevel, that's a completely separate question. I have, I'm obviously quite confident in it, but it's a great strategic card to play. Yeah. Did someone like McNulty? Yeah, but... Maybe McNulty actually could have done something like this. I don't know. I am not necessarily... I don't know. Today we saw the one-two action. We saw the Pogacar being in the group, thinking on not responding to Adam Yates, who goes up the road, Simon joining him, and so forth. I feel like it's harder to do that on a proper climb. I feel like it being over the crests is a perfect spot to do it. Yeah. If it's on a climb itself, Jonas... Can probably just follow because Adam Yates' attacks are not like accelerated. Yeah, but he's also he's still having to do something. Yeah. And now he's no longer in Pagach's wheel, Pagach is in his wheel. Yeah. It still makes a difference. Um but anyway, yeah, Yates into yellow jersey, points jersey, his brother Simon Yates goes into it, or not into it, he's not leading the competition, but he'll wear <laughs> it, he'll wear it tomorrow. Paulus is leading the KOM classification on five points, EF two years in a row now. Credit to them, you know, they made the call on the road, realizing Vivero. It was up for grabs. Uh, Paulus was very strong, actually, because he did a whole lead out and then dusted Zimmerman in the sprint. And yeah. he also got the call, Zimmerman, to sprint for it. Youth, uh, Pagacha already goes into the white jersey for the rest of the race. Uh, teams don't know. So uh, I agree, Benji. Like, Yumbo won't be devastated tonight, but also, you know. Head. But you'd rather be UAE winning the stage and going into yellow, uh, if, yeah. if you could. Uh, Hinley, I thought him and Bora looked very on. Very professional. Yeah. Gadu was good, but I this is actually a very, very good climb for him and Schelmos, and it's the longer climbs where I'm a bit skeptical. Rodriguez, the best of the Ineos riders, he looked incredibly skinny. Van Barla too. Van Barla too, but Rodriguez, the so Rodriguez is the Ineos main GC guy if Bernal well, After I, today, seemingly. But yeah, it can still it, swap it's around. It's still a yeah? punchy finish. Like maybe Bernal's long climbing is better, you know. Bernal and Rodriguez, they should both keep up there. Martinez yes. is out of the yeah, out of the picture. So domestique slash breakaways for Martinez. That's how I look. 
Pitcock, I see the same, to be honest. He has it on 33 seconds today, but if he does that on this terrain, I'm worried, but he does up the, on the longer climbs when it comes to dropping. Yeah, so, yeah, I think uh, most teams will just be happy that they're not Movistar or EF. Yeah. You know, most teams will be happy they haven't lost their GC leader on, on stage one. That's kind of the, the nervous, hectic thing of this stage. Anything else from this, Benji? Um, we uh, skipped the intermediate sprint. We saw Peterson oh, yeah. getting a massive launch by Simmons. Really good yeah, lead out. good lead out. Sagan was good. Second. Exactly. I didn't necessarily expect it. I was kind of disappointed in Philipson not being able yeah. to overtake Sagan there. I don't know what to read into that. I hope we see Philipson absolutely destroy some sprints this season. Because Bernard didn't contest it. Uh, Binny got a lead out and then didn't really have anything or uh -huh. just was in bad position. It's logical to me that Van Aert doesn't contest it on this stage necessarily. Yeah, exactly. Because that final is way more important and there's more opportunities where he needs to be supportive of Ingegaard being in breakaways and so forth where he can pick up 20 points regardless something like that. So, Let's not talk about much. tomorrow. Speaking yes. of Van Aert, Vittoria Gasteis to San Sebastian. It is, I think, an easier stage than today, even though it still has a lot of climbing. It's a long stage, one of the longest in this Tour mm -hmm. de France, 210 kilometers. Now, the intermediate sprint tomorrow is before, I believe, a little climb. I don't know what break will go, but anyway, we have... Is that sponsored by Little as well? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> they're on all the kit. They've got the new kit. Uh, their bikes look good, though. Their yeah. Simmons paint job looks sick for the American champs. Um. Lots of four and a half K, five to six percent climbs tomorrow. Like there is a half dozen eight climbs tomorrow now, but the main one is the Hayiskabel. It has bonus seconds on top. It's 8.1 kilometers, 5.2%. Bit of a fake news climb, not outrageous, not by Basque standards, uh, because it's first three Ks are five percent. Then there's a kilometer of false flat downhill then a three-kilometer, 7% section, then a 6% last kilometer. So judging from today, I don't think Yumbo... I, before the race, I thought Yumbo would have to put Benoit on this climb and really push to drop a binny. To, yeah. They'd have to really drive it. After binny today and Philipson and Pedersen, I don't know when Pedersen dropped. Uh, I, can't, I didn't really get shown. Oh. I think this is going to be quite a reduced group. And I think Poggy takes more bonus seconds tomorrow. 210 kilometers to control. UAE won't do it. True, yeah. Who's going to do it? Because like, Alaphilippe didn't look great today. The finish is also not perfection for him either. So I don't see Quickstep necessarily doing it. If I think about our teams, obviously, young boys want to move control. Up. You think UAE will control tomorrow? Yeah. Maybe. I don't think they should at all. You don't? Yeah, but when UAE... They never let the breakout. They yeah. never let the breakout. They're not going to let someone take Yates' yellow jersey. They never do that. Remember last year? They're yeah, but, not going to do it. Yeah, because last year there were stages where Pogacar could take seconds. Yeah, and he can take seconds tomorrow. True. And there's the bonus on the Hayiska Bell. Yeah. You want to take Alsprint and Jonas, they will control the break. And they, last year they could have given the jersey away on Egler, on Mejev, and they paced full. I think they're going to control all day tomorrow. I don't know. It's a long stage, and I don't feel like their team has it to control that entire yeah, stage. Know, how do UAE think? Who else? Who else can, can do the same? Because Alperson for Van der Poel? Movistar for Amburu? Yeah, they, well, he should go on the break. No, yeah. he should go on the break away. <laughs> he should be in the break. And like, if you're, if you're Van der Poel, yes, the stage is perfect, but 
Can't you also just do it from the break? That's more difficult. Because then you get a scenario like the Mohoric one, where Van der Poel and Van Aert were in the break and makes it much more difficult for... But, but, but that's the thing. We, I thought today there'd be a much bigger fight for the breakaway. Yeah. And if I'm a DS tomorrow, now it's kind of flat the first 10Ks and there's a couple of... There's one pickup uh, out of Allegria tomorrow. But yeah. It's not a serious climb. So break formation for a... A Gorka Izagira is difficult, but if you're a Matteo Jorgensen who can get on the... Like, if you're Jack Haig, didn't lose enough time. Yeah. Jorgensen only lost 238. UAE are not going to give you both the stage and yellow. They're not going to do it. So uh, the riders who I would see, like a... Yeah, Morich, I don't know where he, how much time he lost today. If I look at Bahrain, uh, he wouldn't have... He only lost... No, he lost 337, but it's not 10 minutes. Do they control for Fred Wright, though? Exactly. Fred Wright, or even Morich is not bad in a group. Or so I think, I think it's GC again because people will be too aggressive and I don't well, think enough will go on the break. GC is a big word. I think it's going to be the peloton sprinting for it, not necessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No yes, Pogacar can take four seconds in the sprint. I think yeah. winning is more difficult. And on this eight terrain. on Hayeskabel. Eight seconds is not nothing. I think that's valuable. He can go eight plus four plus four, quick maths. He can go 16 seconds ahead of Jonas by stage two. I don't think he'll take eight seconds on Vingegaard on that climb, though. Ah, because Jonas will... Jonas will probably get second or third. Unless there's a random person getting... Why wouldn't Gadu sprint? Paulus for KOM points. Why wouldn't Paulus sprint for KOM? We forgot to mention that, by the way. No, we mentioned it. Oh, okay. Never mind. Love Zimmerman and Paulus doing that. So, it's a tricky stage, and Jumbo Visma will be thinking, well, it's also a stage win on on offer for Van Aert. Now, he won in uh, Lausanne last year on a similar finish, similar-ish finish. I don't think he should have any trouble making it over that climb. Should UAE pace the Haiskabel very, very hard? Uh, probably, to make sure that Poggy can sprint for the bonies and it's a small group for the finish. Um, I'm going... Who are you going for the... Fi- I think Binny gets dropped, Benji. Uh, he was my... I thought he... Uh, I, don't, I didn't like Binny today. Yep. And Philipson and, and Pedersen, I, I don't see it either. Uh, who you got? I don't see it either. We have for this finish, yes. Peacock should still be in the group, but I'm a bit worried there. Wout Fanat is one of the favorites for this yeah. race. Do you think his legs will be less gassed after a climb like this in the Cote de Pique? It should be. 100% I think so. should it's be. further from the finish. It's Wout Fanat versus uh, Apogachar versus Aramburu. I'm not joking about this, by the way. He got 16th today, so yeah, yeah, yeah. actually not terrible. No, no, he'll get over it, no problem. Alaphilippe will probably be sprinting as True. well. Um, so we're looking at those riders. Right? Van Hills. Van Hills. I'm going to go with Maxim Van Hills. That's a good shout. Fuck well, in Catalonia, in very similar stages, he came third though, and so. yeah, behind. Winning is difficult. Podium possible. I'm going to go with, um, I'm just going to see where he finished before I say it, say it, say it. Oh, no. Bilbao? No, I was going to go with Cockard. Um, but I don't know where he is. Well, <laughs> what's up with Bilbao? Because like, when it comes to Bilbao on these kind of finishes, we saw in Basque Country, was it two years ago, where he was winning in like 10-man group sprints? He's better for this finish than today. Why Bilbao is good on a flat finish. Vanderpool's going to win the stage, isn't he? True. Why are we not talking about Vanderpool? Okay. <laughs> I'm switching to Vanderpool. It's over. Bye. Yeah, it's better for him. It's better for him because he wasn't. He will make it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I'm gonna. I I agree with the Vanderpool pick. Um, <laughs> I think Van Aert will come second and Poggy third, or maybe even Poggy second, honestly, uh, and Van Aert third. Or Alaphilippe, I think, should be good for this too. And it's like with the other sprinters you're looking at, Mezgets has climbed no. good in the past, but. No. On this level, on the world tour step, I find it hard to believe Dude, that when he's going to be there. When they put Gros, Chartner, and Soler on Hayes Cabell on 7% yeah. for 10 minutes, 
it's all over. Even Peterson's gone. All those riders are going to be gone. Fred Wright, 11 minutes today, but maybe he can follow the group and hold on and do it. You it's know, not impossible. Is Magnus Court here? Magnus Court is here. I mean, a peak Magnus Court should, and Betty would even be around there, but Court lost 15 minutes today, but no, but, no, no need for him to, yeah, exactly. go any faster. Maybe he's in the break tomorrow. You know what sort of stage this is, Benji, and he's not here. Michael Matthews. It's Michael Matthews sort me, of stage. Me, me, me. <laughs> it actually is, dude. <laughs> he would have won it. Um, no, it's not uphill finish. If it was a 4% uphill, he would have won it. Anyway, we both like Vanderpool for tomorrow. Uh, he, even if he wins the stage, he will not take the yellow jersey. So Adam Yates, if the GC group wins, will keep yellow uh, probably for, yep. for until at least stage five, unless UAE give it away tomorrow, which I really don't see. So yep. hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, we'll be back. We doing a stream tomorrow? I'm done. Okay, we'll do a stream tomorrow. Make sure you check out the LRCP Twitter account. That notifies you when the stream is on. Thanks to you all for listening and your support in particular uh, on the on the preview. That's unbelievable. And, and the donations, we really appreciate the support. Um, and so the Vuelta's on. We'll be in person together at the, the Vuelta. Vuelta's on? Yeah, yeah. Oh. You, you'll be coming here for the Vuelta. Okay. Yeah. I'll Just write it FYI, down. FYI, my... you'll be coming there. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll be going to Barcelona even for the for the first two stages. I'm and done. then back to here for the Andorran third stage. So thanks all for your support uh, through the donating to the Ko-Fi link down below. And we'll see you with stage two recap tomorrow. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 